Michael Show today. Glad to have you on board. We are broadcasting live WKTY and lacrosse on the Whirlwind Tour, that is. We were in Minneapolis on Sunday uh, in Eau Claire yesterday. Lacrosse today, Tomahawk tomorrow throughout the weekend. Back into Green Bay on Sunday. And then finally back home on Monday. Uh, joining us now over on the hotline, our guy uh, Mike Clemens standing by. Michael, how you doing, pal? I'm good. Last week, Friday... We got to the end of our discussion and preview of the game, and I think you said something like, so, you know, what are you leaning towards? And I said, I'm kind of nervous. I don't really like to do predictions, or at least maybe once you get into the, a little bit more into the season and you see how teams are going. Um, but, I, you know, I had some concerns because, for one thing, coming out of training camp, everybody was naming the Green Bay Packers defense because, look, they got Jair back. Rasul Douglas, you know, came out of nowhere, and they signed him to a contract. They might have one of the best secondaries in the NFL, and uh, and they, you know, and and that front seven that they've got now, and and experience, you know, between Rashawn Gary, that could be just a, a, a tremendous defense. And here they just are embarrassed up in U.S. Bank, and mm-hmm. you know, and to me, I was kind of like, you know, we can't, we really don't have anything that says prove that yet and that doesn't mean that they're they're not going to be a good defense i guess down the road but there was a there was too many question marks for green bay and i think the vikings put together an amazing show to so to say hey the good stuff that we had last year we're keeping and we've we're changing the culture and the attitude and the emphasis of the organization and it's always hard to bet against a team with a new head coach, you know, usually the players just go out of their way to win for them, like the Bears did, unlike what the Broncos did last night. <laughs> right, <laughs> Winning right. for their new head coach. But um, the, the bottom question is this. You and I both, if we go on the street and introduce ourselves and people find out who we're, the first thing they're going to say is, how did Justin Jefferson get so open that whole game, right? Right. Is that the number right. one question? Absolutely. And, and why was it so long to make the adjustment? And after listening to Matt LaFleur's comments yesterday, Mike, about, well, you want us to change, you know, the, the game plan or philosophy or whatever the specifics were, were that he stated, I'm like, yeah, because when when things aren't working, yeah, you have to. It's called coaching. You have to adapt to that, right? And last year when you went up to U.S. Bank Stadium, now, yeah, you were you were dealt a devastating blow that can rock a team. When you lose Elton Jenkins, who had been your left tackle while Bakhtiari was still recovering from his ACL, now you lose Elton in that game at left tackle. Now you got to make those changes in the middle of the game. That was tough. Packers had some other, you know, the ball bounced the funny way and some penalties and whatever, and they end up losing to the Vikings in a shootout. The, the Green Bay was close to actually winning that game last year. But the difference maker in that game was Justin Jefferson, eight catches over 160 yards. So you would think that that's, you know, the big emphasis for Joe Barry and that defense for the weeks leading up to that game is that what are we going to do to stop Justin Jefferson? And instead, the problem only gets worse. He not only matches, he surpasses what he made last year in four quarters. He had that by halftime, by halftime. Right. in this game. So here's a couple things I can look at. First, they're saying, well, yeah, we admit, yes, we were in a zone defense. We play zone 
when we're deciding to, you know, protect from the explosive gains, expect we're trying to, you know, keep it from a, a big play downfield. And yet, how can how can 18 possibly just have his way cutting behind your linebackers and o- running openly through your secondary as an easy target for Kirk Cousins to hit within two seconds? Um, and clearly there was somebody who was constantly making a mistake, one guy out of the secondary who was not picking him when he was crossing from those zones. The next thing that they did was, sure, they'll run one motion, and LaFleur admitted to this yesterday in the press conference, when you've got zone and the opposing team starts running motion, that starts to stress the defense because the zone is to pretty much just say, we'll lay back and let you guys come off the line and then we'll cover our zones. When you start motioning guys, that can, you know, put a heavy – well, they, that defense, that Joe Barry defense, sees that with Aaron Rodgers and the LaFleur offense every day. But then when they, have, they motion two guys, it really stresses it. Here's the other thing. I got a little tip defensively about the Packers that also how concerned they were about Delvin Cook. Because two mm-hmm. years ago in Green Bay – their running back single-handedly beat them in a game for over 200 yards. It was 40-mile-an-hour wins that day. And Mike Zimmer and his guys actually came and won the game because they had a great running game that day. <clears throat> so if you look at the way the Packers are lined up, and Quay Walker, they got two inside linebackers in there, they're putting on their stop-the-run front. And you watch the film, you see Kenny, and you see Dean Lowry, and you see Reed, these guys, they're not going after Cousins. They're just filling the gaps because they're waiting for Cook to come out. Right. So so what does Kevin O'Connell do? He throws the ball. Some of these biggest plays that for Cousins to Justin Jefferson, let's see, uh, second and five, shotgun formation, pass to Jefferson, good for 22 yards in the first quarter. Right. Second and four. You'd think you'd be running the football there. No, it's a short pass. That little screen to C.J. Ham. he looked pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Get you a first down. Right. First and 10 from the Minnesota 23, and Cousins steps up in the pocket, and there's Jefferson running free through the middle of the field, untouched. Right. Nobody covering him. Savage chasing after him. He picks up 64 yards. First and 10 from the 36. Deep pass to Jefferson for 36 yards, and he gets. So, in other words, the linebackers, the secondary, they're all trying to play the run. And when they go pass, they've got to make that transition to say, "Oh, okay, we're not, we're not, we're not working on the box. We got to drop back because here comes 18." None of those guys were doing that. Yeah, it was a lot of um as as Aaron Rodgers stated there was a lot of misses in mental preparation. Now, I don't know if he was talking about the defense as well, but for everything that was kind of counted on defensively that this was going to be better that you and you know I, I you know Quay Walker we talked a little bit about him you and I did that yeah, he's sideline to sideline and he's a hell of a hitter and I I like his tenacity. It's going to take him a while cuz some of the tackles he's making are downfield. He's saving tackles rather than making tackles at the line of scrimmage or up up field, so to speak. So, um, I, I just there was there was not a lot of reaction 
to what they were doing. And it was, this, you know, I know some people say, well, this is a new offense. Well, really, it's not. It's the same offense you saw in the Super Bowl when the Rams played Cincinnati. Yes. A lot of the same thing. You know, a lot of the crossing pass. I mean, OBJ would have been the Super Bowl MVP had he not busted up his knee. But it's a lot of the same stuff. They put him in motion. They were freeing up Cooper Cup. and But it was OBJ was the guy. That those was the Justin, Justin yeah, those crossing around that for yeah. Three, four. Well, yeah, and by the way, and the guy who's making those calls is now the head coach with the headset over there for the right. Vikings. He was right. their offensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl and came back to beat the Bengals in that game. Um, and when you talk about how they, uh, you know, they went after, the reason that Quay Walker, the rookie, was leading in tackles is because every play was coming right for the kid. They were either running Delvin Cook and counters right at him or they were they somehow they would get uh they would they would spread out the Packers secondary on one of these second down plays and then 18 Jefferson you see him start to motion right then come back and motion left and he sees that seven is a little bit off tackle because they've got I don't know Rashawn someplace else I guess and so oh there's seven yeah I'm gonna line up in front of him now all of a sudden just before the ball you've got Rookie inside linebacker Quay Walker on Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the NFL, mm-hmm. and Cousins already knows where the ball is going, and he can't even keep up with him because he, he right. puts a little slant on, puts his hand up in the air, good for twenty-two yards. I, I let me ask you this, Mike. I I know they're depending on Alan Lazard to come back. What dynamic does he all of a sudden bring? I don't know. I it's Alan Lazard. You know, it's six foot four, and on the left-hand side, timing routes. You know, working the sideline, and regardless whether Allen was going to be able to play Sunday or not, did it not just look like the same old Aaron Rodgers, McCarthy, Lafleur settles for what Rodgers want? You know, little button hooks to Randall Cobb and the little safe timing routes on the inside. Nothing going across the field. No crossings right. or anything like that. Nothing that, uh, and then they start you you know started doing the the end runs and the reverses to Dobbs, you know, and your fifty million dollar quarterback trying to block Zadarius Smith with his throwing shoulder. Yeah. Uh, and and here's the other one. Everybody said, well, now you look at this Packers team and you know. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon—they're probably your best two ball carriers. This will be a run-heavy team. And then when the cuts came out, and Tyler Goodson ends up being released and then picked up on the practice squad, and then he's not up, you know, for the 53 or the 48 on the game. It's like I said to you about 10 days ago. Why everyone's saying, well, why don't we keep it two running backs? Because they're not going to run the ball. Right. You know why? Because this offensive line's not ready to run the football. And you know, um, uh, Yash Nyman did a pretty darn good job at left tackle. I think he had one pressure scored against him. But when they needed, you know, fourth and one, and they got mm-hmm. stuffed, what did they do? Yeah. They ran to the left-hand side. When, yeah. when they ended up scoring the one touchdown with A.J. Dillon, what they do? They went a little bit further to the left side. Most of their runs, they only trusted when they had Runyon in there, or later they brought in the rookie, Zach Town, to play left guard. They weren't trying to even attempt to run the ball on the right-hand side. As a matter of fact, Ed Donatel, the defensive coordinator, 
those guys, it's like we're going after Aaron Rodgers. We're not going to do this stuff like, oh, gee, if you blitz Aaron Rodgers, he's going to eat you up. Aaron Rodgers has got nobody to dump the, f- the football to, except maybe Randall Cobb. We're going yeah. after Rodgers. So they're pressuring him. They sack him four times. They get the force. Hicks gets that force fumble, hitting him in the back. Um, and, then, and then you pressure him to the point where he throws a pick downfield. And the one time Zadarius got that clean sack on Aaron Rodgers, he didn't try to go over Yash Nyman. He came back around on the other side, and he went right over their weakest link on the offensive line, who's Jake Hansen, who's a backup center, yep. who they say is improved. But in reality, he's really not their best candidate for right guard. And that's the guys that they stressed, and that's how Zadarius got paid dirt and sacked Rodgers. So here's the other thing. You mentioned Jake Hansen. They bring up Caleb Jones. Jake Hansen, while he graded okay in the run game, he really wasn't you know, doing a ton of run blocking on his side. They were targeting the left side. The right side of the line, do you look at Matt LaFleur and go, you know what, your line was an issue last year. You didn't make a change. Your line was an issue. In, I'm talking about the postseason now. Your line was an issue in game one. You didn't make a change until it was pretty much too late. Is there just a reluctance to make a change once they make a decision that this is the way the line is going to be, although they did bring up Caleb Jones today? You know, um, I, I I told you the one, you know, I always look for that one guy who's breaking through. And to me, mm-hmm. just even one week in the training camp, I couldn't get over how good the footwork were, was on this Zach Tom kid, number 50. Right. And then I told you on the show, I even tweeted out, wow, now they're working this rookie at right tackle. Now they're working him at left tackle. And it's training camp. They, they're experimenting. They're trying stuff. But there was one little time where Adam Stadovich kind of blurped out, and we were talking about some how who's looked good in camp so far after the first three or four weeks. And when he got to about the sixth or seventh guy, he says, and he said, and then, of course, we got Zach Tom, if he's not a starter. So they're having that discussion. They're, right. they're, they, they, I mean, Maybe they make some changes in offensive line after what they saw Sunday. Maybe they actually put that rookie in there and find him a home because he's better than some of these guys have been in there for two or three years. You know, you talk about, you know, the changes that they're making, too. So here who is inactive, you can find out who's at the, you know, at the end of the roster. Lazard Hurt, right? And then uh, Bakhtiari with the ACL, Jenkins ACL. The other guys that they arrested were Jonathan Ford, the seventh-round pick at defensive line, but they're, you know, they're very healthy. Mm-hmm. Samari Torre, you know, the guy who made the cut, but he's like the sixth or seventh receiver. Tariq Carpenter, I told you I, was, I thought he was kind of on the bubble, didn't have a very good camp. He's a backup safety and a special teams guy. Um, but that's what, you know, was at the back of the line in terms of the guys that they had inactive for the game the other day. On oh, Shamar Jean Charles, too, who's like a, a late-round pick from – a year mm-hmm. or so ago at, at uh, safety. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to have to rethink who they're using on that offensive line because I don't think that Jenkins or Bakhtiar are going to be ready for this one either. You know, even Elton Jenkins just kind of mumbled off to the side, you know, this is going to take time. And yeah. not until you see you hear us saying those guys practice for the last two, three weeks, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, full participation does anybody start thinking that those guys are going to be a part of this offensive line? Do you real quick, Mike, last question. So what changes, if any, do they have to make knowing that your next opponents, the Chicago bears, don't get me wrong. The bears get a win in a downpour, very inclement conditions. 
But you've got your next toughest game really is Tampa Bay, and you've got an easier schedule early on. So how much do they make changes, and or do you just stay status quo and just say we're going to let the process play out and we're going to just begin to trust these guys, let them get their feel, let them get their feet under them, and then just you know knock on wood, hope for the best. When the players first reported, Bill, in April and May. There was a guy, I had not seen this going on four years now Now with Matt LaFleur. There was a guy where LaFleur came into the locker room a couple of times, ran up to this young man at his locker and talked to him like, okay, remember we were talking about this at practice? And I'd never seen the one-on-one private consultations. And I saw the coach much of the spring chasing this player around personally, the head coach personally coaching this guy up. And you know who it was? It was the Mm. guy that they threw to on the first play of the game against the Vikings, Christian Watson. That's the guy. That's their guy. That's the guy that they want to get going as soon as possible. And he can't have MVS hands. He's got to have Jordy hands. He's got to have Devontae hands. Because if they can get him going – completely changes what they want to do on offense. And so I think that they'll they'll try and try again, even though they kind of benched them there for a while. That's Forget about Alan Lazard. They want to get Christian Watson going. Another thing that would be good is to block for the punter. Oh, my God, what was that? What right. the hell was that? Right. At least it didn't cost them, but it's close, and it was much like a, a last year when there were a couple of kicks almost blocked. Yes. And we had kept saying, you know, hey, this is something to pay attention to because there's a weakness here. And in game one, they almost got to Mason Crosby, and then sure enough it played out throughout the season where kicks were blocked. Wow. This was where the punter was almost blocked on a couple of occasions. Now you got to circle and say, do they fix it, or is this going to be a continual problem throughout the year? I have no idea how Pat O'Donnell got that ball off a couple times. I think he ended up averaging – you know, 43 yards. Rudy Ford looked pretty good. I was watching him, you know, uh, on some of those special teams they picked up as a gunner. But, you know, good Lord. I mean, right. Rich Passaccia has got his work cut out for him. No doubt. Mike, great stuff as always, Bob. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Billy. There you go. That's our pal Mike Clemens joining us for a few minutes on the hotline. So yesterday, I, I got to let you listen to it in its entirety. Matt LaFleur kind of meeting with the media and you can listen to some of the answers and you can listen to it in its context. I want to do that. And then we can react to that. Also some other news and notes uh, regarding the NFL from the weekend that people are talking about as well. I want to do that also when we come back. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery. Now, not only do you go to Pest, you go, you go into the winery, you walk in, you say, hey, heard about this place on the Bill Michael Show. They have got a deal for you. It's that simple. But if you're out and about and you're not in Pestigo, stop into your local uh, grocery stores, liquor stores, wine stores. Say, do you have forgotten fire wines? Whether it's the Merlot, whether it's the Hot Mess, whether it's the Moscatos, uh, Rieslings, Pinot Grigios, they've got a lot of different makes and really good wines. And the one thing about it is that people ask all the time, you know, is it really good? It's like, it's really good. But they just want you to enjoy it. Do you need an award-winning wine? They've got it. They've beaten out Napa Valley. They've got the awards and the gold medals and all that kind of stuff. Go look at their place. The medals are all throughout the upper portion of the ceiling. I mean, you can see all the bottles that have won. 
That's fine. But they put them kind of up there. They're collecting dust. Who really cares? They just want you to enjoy their wine. That's why they're great people. Forgotten Fire Winery, and they're right here in the state of Wisconsin. It's made by Wisconsinites for us, you and I, to enjoy, to sip on, to drink, to have with dinner, to have with a cigar, whatever it is you want to do, whatever. If you get a cheese sandwich, who the hell cares? You want to put ice in white? Do it. Have at it. That's our friends at Forgotten Fire Winery. Go to Forgotten, ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Day is treating you well. Got a uh, cigar dinner coming up a little bit later on tonight over at Celebrations here in La Crosse. Our last one, kind of sad, our last one of the season. Our last one of the season coming up tonight uh, over at uh, Celebrations on the River. So going to be over there. Uh, and unfortunately, if you're thinking about it, going, oh, I wouldn't mind doing that. And it's a sold-out event, uh, which I shouldn't say unfortunately because it's good. But, yeah, it's sold out. So uh, tonight we're going to be doing our last cigar dinner uh, over there. And uh, which are they're always a blast. They're always a blast. But uh, it's always sad when it comes to an end because then I know that, uh, you know, fall is right around the corner. And, and as much as I love fall, I'm not a fan of the end of summer, so to speak. But anyway, uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at The Nice Ash, a terrific cigar bar, 323 West Main Street, downtown Waukesha. And uh, speaking of cigars and a great selection of spirits, beers, cigars, hookahs. A lot of fun with a great atmosphere. Saul Zeno and the gang down there playing this past weekend. And uh, they got a great commitment. Uh, they're establishing great relationships with their customers, a changing clientele. And everybody welcome. Everybody feels at home. So as they say, get your ash in here. That's theniceash.com. Theniceash.com uh, down in Waukesha. So Matt LaFleur speaking to the media yesterday. I uh, had a few things to comment on. When he was asked, uh, you know, talking about losing because of execution, mistakes, all that kind of stuff, take a listen to what he says about cleaning up all of this stuff. There was plenty of things that on both sides that we've seen throughout the course of the off season. It wasn't like there was these new plays, you know, in either of those phases that came up. It was just there were plays that, for whatever reason, the communication was off and the execution was off, and then we got guys covering for another guy, and then that's how bad things happen. So he was asked uh, about, you know, how he's feeling because he said, look, I'm, I'm disappointed uh, when you talk about the lack of communication, the way things played out. Minnesota didn't play their guys in the preseason, so obviously it didn't hurt them. So maybe we're doing something wrong in practice, whatever it may be. But uh, certainly it, it's disappointing. I thought that our guys were locked in, ready to go. Like I said, I thought the effort was outstanding. It's just uh, disappointing when you have a veteran group at certain spots and uh, you do have those miscommunications. Uh, the effort he talks about, he thought it was outstanding. I, I, I don't ever question anybody's effort, but... Their tenacity did not match Minnesota's tenacity is the best way to put it. 
And then, so when he's, you know, that little backhanded slap there, well, you know, they didn't play their guys in the preseason. We're just doing something wrong. Yeah, but again, the circumstances, drastically different. Drastically different. Then the question, why not let Jair just cover Justin Jefferson? Yeah, if you want to change the structure of your defense, I mean, you could certainly do that. I think if you watch the game, there were many times throughout the course of that game where it wasn't just single motion it was a double motion so now you're talking about trailing a guy whatever it may be but you would have to commit to man coverage i don't know how else you get it done i get what he's saying when he talks about motion it was double motion it was two guys moving and changing the the structure of his defense but we know you know, you go back to the days of a, a neon Deion Sanders, a Darrell Rivas, some of the best corners to ever play the game, Ronnie Lott, you know, these safeties, these guys, there was specific guys that they were, they were, that's your guy. You know, your glue, stick to that guy. And that's what they do. And so I, I understand what he's saying. It can change your structure, but I, I don't think it eliminates your ability to play defense because one man is trying to take another man out as far as being a, a weapon. So I I don't – that's the politically correct answer to give, but I don't necessarily buy it. Um, and he also was asked, you know, if you could do this, say, situationally. If a guy goes in motion, it's more than just one guy covering that guy. Now you're talking about 10 other guys changing their responsibilities, possibly, if you're in a zoning defense, which you don't really see that. I think they did a great job game planning, you know, and, and moving Jefferson around. And they put him in some opportune spots. And there were certain coverages where they're going to have the advantage on. So, in other words, hey, we played a lot of zone and we didn't hand him off right. That, that's what that is. We were in zone. We weren't going to run man. He was doing double motions. They were running different things out of the backfield. Our zone was built to be a zone. It's it, and That's exactly what it is. You cover your zone, and then you hand that guy off to the next man, and there was no communication in handing guys off. That's basically what he's saying in the Cliff Notes version. Uh, the other aspect is, you know, offensively speaking, hey, you know, come on. You know, Aaron Jones, only eight touches, didn't use the running backs very much. We need to get them the ball more, especially in the run game. I thought we were running the ball pretty efficiently. We had a, a couple of explosive runs. I thought our backs were just, I really loved how they competed. I mean, they were fighting for every inch out there. And I love the energy and the effort they bring, you know, and certainly want to get them more involved in our offense and, quite frankly, take a little bit of pressure off everybody else. Also, um, now, I, I, again, I don't question effort. Sometimes you can look at things and say, yeah, your energy and such isn't there. But I never, you know, when you're in the trenches man-to-man and one guy's pushing on you and you're pushing on another guy, nobody's questioning your effort because everybody believes you're out there, statistically speaking and man-to-man speaking, trying to do your job. So he said, hey, look, I'm, it wasn't an effort issue. I would say that we didn't play our best. That's how I, because I think our guys did show up. We just didn't execute. And all you got to do is, is look at the end of the game, how our guys were still competing, you know, and playing hard. And so that, to me, is encouraging. So there's a lot we got to clean up, obviously. And it, it starts with how we go out there and practice. Then, uh, well, they didn't look back to last season and turn around, you know, use that for some kind of motivation after getting beat in the postseason and efforts and all that kind of stuff. He said, you know, look, we're just – got to continue to move forward in this league. 
Well, I think that's just life in the National Football League. If you live on what you did yesterday, whether you win or, or you lose, you're not going to get better. So we're always going to be very, very critical and hard on ourselves from a coaching standpoint, from a player standpoint, and try to make the necessary adjustments, try to make the necessary corrections, and try to avoid this in the future as best we can. And then last but not least, uh, he was asked, you know, hey, uh, Jay Canson starting over, you know, Zach Tom. You talk about that decision. Jake's had an outstanding camp, and we just thought he was one of the top five at, at the moment. And there was a lot of good things, and then there were some things that were not so good. And I think, by and large, that was pretty much how we played up front for the most part. Uh, I thought Josh Myers had a pretty solid game, but everybody else, there was some moments of good and some not so good. There you go. That was Matt LaFleur. When we come back, Aaron Rodgers speaks. You know why? It's Tuesday. Pat McAfee Show. So uh, he had a few things to say, and uh, we will bring you some of those comments when we come back. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. you don't let the name milwaukee fool you milwaukee bedbug pros they've been doing it with bedbugs ants roaches all that kind of stuff for a long long time and if you own well if you're a homeowner and you want to either one eradicate or two be preventative it's safe and effective they have thermal care chemical options uh they treat not just the bugs but the eggs as well and uh, they're very discreet about it they have customized solutions as they say for your situation and your budget but if you own a home you get it if you own a town home and there's people next to you might want to do that multi-unit apartment buildings condos dorm rooms hotels motels resorts medical facilities daycare facilities if you own one you rent one you use one you know you should be giving these guys a call. Call Michael over there, 414-877-5811, 414-877-5811, all over. Give him a shout again, or just check him out, MilwaukeeBedBugPros.com. That is MilwaukeeBedBugPros.com. So um, Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee Show talked about the Minnesota defense and also talks uh, about that Christian Watson drop. Listen to this conversation. Obviously, with uh, with Z and, and Hunter, you know they got two premier pass rushers, uh, and they got some good push up the middle. They played some different coverages in the back end. Uh, Harrison was really flying around on my eyes, and and uh, there were some things we just didn't expect. Uh, leverages mostly, I think, on the slot for a lot of different plays. There were some guys. Uh, you know, left open at times um, that we got to. Some we couldn't get to. It comes to pressure, uh, but overall, you know, they played pretty pretty solid. They didn't bring a lot of pressure. They think pressured, uh, you know, maybe two or three times the entire game. So they played a lot of a lot of shell coverage, a little bit of one eye here and there, sprinkle in, but a lot of quarter quarter half stuff and stuff that we expected to see. We've seen it from our own defense and practice. But when you got a good pass rush and you can cover on the back end, that's a good recipe for shutting the team down. 
So, <laughs> excuse me, he goes through a lot there. But some stuff, they went, they, they, they knew it was coming. Other stuff, didn't expect certain things. Didn't expect certain things uh, out of that uh, out of that defense. Uh, he does talk about uh, Justin Jefferson just going off. Take a listen. I'll tell you what I told Justin after the game. I said he was the best player on the field, and uh, I meant it. I wouldn't, didn't say that tongue in cheek. I've been a fan of his since I watched him in college, and he's a dynamic player who is an excellent route runner. I'm sure as any good player should do and would do. He's probably watched the best his position over the last couple of years, and that would be probably Devontae Adams. Hell yeah. A lot of his release stuff looks pretty similar to 17. And, uh, you know, he was the difference maker, I think, for the entire game. And Kirk's very steady at quarterback and did a nice job, uh, looked like getting him in the right stuff and, and making uh, the plays that were there to make. But, uh, but Justin, obviously, was the difference in the game. Yeah, Justin Jefferson by far was the best player on the field. Now, uh, was he aided by miscommunication and some lack of coverage? Yeah, probably. Uh, I could probably go in that direction. Uh, But uh, I would agree with Aaron Rodgers in that sense that, you know, even though um, you take a, you know, a guy like uh, Kirk Cousins, you know, who had a, what was it, a one, damn near a 120 quarterback rating, a couple of touchdowns, no picks, only sacked one time. He had an incredible game as well, but yeah, I would agree. Justin Jefferson is the man. Then uh, he does touch on Christian Watson in that uh, you know uh, first play from scrimmage drop. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say to, to Christian after that one. That was obviously uh, you know a great route by him. And I was teasing Pat P after the game how we got him on the first play. And he, you know, he said I wasn't quite warmed up yet. You know, that's that was. I Call we talked about it basically from Thursday on, starting the game with that play, and you know I, in so many words, unless the coverage was something else, I expected the ball to go to Christian, and so we talked about uh, that and the type of route he wanted to run, and the fact he could score in his first play as a Packer. Uh, so there's a lot of things that kind of lined up there, really nice, but uh, but look, there's not much to say there, you know. Drops are going to happen. They suck more when it's a one that would have been a walk-in touchdown. But the ones that are most frustrating are the mental mistakes, and we made way too many of those on Sunday, and, and that's what we got to clean up. There's going to be drops. You hope not for a touchdown again, but or at least not a bomb touchdown. But uh, but it's the mental mistakes we really got to clear up. There was a lot from a lot of people. So. You know, he doesn't sound like, you know, I'm pissed. Or, you know, I'm not throwing to him again. I don't trust him. He just said, look, it's that, that's going to happen. It's a shame that that's the way, that's the highlight that it happened within. But, you know, drops are going to happen. But uh, when you, you know, t- when he talks about the mental mistakes, it's, it's the mental mistakes are the preparation mistakes. The preparation mistakes are the ones that really are somewhat unforgivable. When you see it, you go over it, you do it over and over and over and over and over again. You say, this is what to look for. This is what you need. This is what I see. This is where you need to be on the same page with me. Whether it's Aaron's responsibility or theirs, it it, it has to happen. It has to come uh, together. And I I get what he's saying. You know, when, you know, you're you're on guys and saying, guys, you, you you need to know this. You need to understand this. There has to be a concentration here, whether it's coaches, whether it's Rogers, whether it's the, you know, the, the receivers, the linemen, the backs, whatever, 
when you start talking about you know some of the mistakes, I think there was uh, a myriad of them, whether it was blocking schemes, who to handle, who not to handle, who to take, who to let go, and then obviously uh, you know route trees and such for some of the young wide receivers. That um, it's it's repetition will bring it. It's got to come over time, but it's how much time do you really have to get it right and almost perfected? And I think that's where his level of frustration lies at this point. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I kind of get the sense that that is what he's leaning to more than others. Uh, our buddy ESPN Steve over on the Bud Light live stream says, uh, in, in Matt LaFleur's words, in other words, I got out coached. And yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Second year in a row. And, I, you know, it, 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 it isn't daunting until you hear it stated. Go back to what Rob Reichel said. Think about this. In week one for the Green Bay Packers, over the last two years, this year and last year, the Packers' score has been opponents 61, the Packers 10. 61 to 10, they've been outscored in week one over the last two years. Wow. When Rob said that earlier and I started to think about preparation how they go about their business, what kind of formula they're putting together to make this thing better. If 61 to 10, man, if you're not wearing a cup, that's a kick to the crotch. You better be wearing one because that'll knock you down and take the wind out of you. I don't care who you are. Stay tuned. Going to wrap it up. Coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers reviewed the film of their 23-7 loss to the Vikings. Was Minnesota able to dominate the Packers' offense with those four quarterback sacks, a forced fumble, and an interception? Packers rookie receiver, Romeo Dobbs. I mean, if you say so, then yes. Uh, again, we was just trying to figure out ways to um, bounce back and just be able to, uh, you know, be the dynamic offense that we are. But, you know, some things just won't go the way how you expect them. So it's just, again, that's the point of uh, progression on my end and just being a player, being a person, and just stacking days moving forward. Dobbs actually led the Packers receivers with four catches for 37 yards and was asked what was the message after the game from the coaches and the veteran players. Uh, The biggest message we got from this was just, you know, we got 17 weeks of football. Uh, I personally feel that this team is probably one of the better teams that I've, you know, saw on TV or been around. So, again, it's just being able to progress and, you know, stack days, just moving forward. It, it gets repetitive every time. So, Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. I would say that we didn't play our best. That's how I – because I think our guys did show up. We just didn't execute. And all you got to do is, is look at the end of the game, how our guys were still competing, you know, and playing hard. And so that, to me, is encouraging. So there's a lot we got to clean up, obviously. And it, it starts with how we go out there and practice. That's Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Good to go. Go to baymotelgreenbay.com. That is baymotelgreenbay.com. Well, we talked about Caleb Jones coming up. You would assume then 
that it's probably going to be a change um, if if um, you know if Hanson's going to remain. Maybe they had seen enough. You know, um, you bring up Caleb Jones, probably Royce Newman, then replaces Jake Hanson, and Hanson finds himself on the way out or, you know, gets cut and then comes back to the practice squad or something to that effect. But, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, they, Caleb Jones is going to – somebody's got to make room for him. He's coming up for a reason. And I think uh, – and Caleb Jones, I think, earned it, to be quite honest with you. I think he earned it. So, uh, hey, um, speaking of, of earning it, uh, the, Ben's going to be earning it the remainder of the week. Ben, what do you got coming up the rest of the week? Because I, I'm going to be gone, and I'm not going to be back until Sunday for the uh, Green and Gold postgame show. Oh, it's me and Grant Bills. Uh, I feel like has become the uh, best reliever out of the bullpen if Craig Council isn't managing the baseball team. So it's the high leverage arm coming in Wednesday, Thursday, okay. Friday. So Grant Bills uh, is going to be on with you. So you guys are going to take it from pretty much here. And then if, if anything exciting happens, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll give you a shout or maybe do some Facebook Live stuff when I'm up in uh, Tomahawk because uh, I've got the, uh, the gig tonight and over at Celebrations and then heading to uh, Tomahawk, Wisconsin, the beautiful Northwoods. I, I, I can't wait. Love the Northwoods uh, of Wisconsin. Just stunning. So i uh, going to get up there later this evening and then be up there for a few days. And then we're going to be over uh, in Green Bay doing the Green and Gold postgame show. And hopefully those that goes off without a hitch. We are at uh, what is considered to be like an undisclosed location this year. We're not doing it uh, in a local pub or eatery there. We are doing it uh, down the street. We've been gifted a home uh, for, for the Green and Gold postgame show, which is awesome. Uh, it, it comes complete with a parking space. So I'm, I'm happy about that. But um, we are, uh, you know, we got a little concern for the Internet situation and our our capability so hopefully everything goes off without a hitch so be prepared come sunday uh sunday night and it, it's probably best that we won't have our largest audience of the year on sunday evening after that game culminates because people are going to get up for work the next day and it is a night game it is sunday night sunday night football as the uh, packers host the uh, uh, chicago bears the still soggy chicago bears i would assume Coming up, uh, coming up Sunday. So you've got uh, the Brewers on the road. How big of a series now is this against the Cardinals? I I feel like it doesn't have anywhere near the meaning that it would have had the Brewers hung close. I'm kind of like I'm not yawning because there's still only two games back in the wild card hunt. But it seems like the steam has come out of it. By speaking of that, by the way, I know I got two minutes, but um, our and I don't want to – there's no time to do a poll on this, but, uh, you know, the the Brewers are, you know, talking about, you know, different giveaways and the Giannis bobblehead giveaway and different things coming up and different events and fan appreciation. And the attendance has taken a nosedive. Have you noticed that? Not only just with the Brewers confirming it, but have you noticed that on TV watching games at American Family Field? It's like when they made the trade for Hater and the team took a dump, people went, to hell with it. I'm going to find other things to do. Have you noticed that, Ben, watching these games? Yeah, a bit. I can also confirm that Giannis Bobblehead Sunday, there were many in attendance that went to get the bobblehead, then went home and watched the Packers game. Yep. So, yeah, it's not good. Definitely not good. Yeah, things are not uh, peachy right now, as they say. 
with the Brewers. So hopefully the Brewers, I'd, I'd love to see the Brewers get in the postseason and just get hot. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, just, just for their own sake, get a little steam going into the offseason. Maybe surprise us all and do some damage. Who knows? But Brewers tonight taking on the uh, taking on the Cardinals. I'll be listening to it driving northward until we we chat again, which is going to be Sunday during the Green Eagle postgame show. Ben Kenny taking your rest of the way during the week. Hey, welcome again back into the program and myself back into the hearts and minds of those at WDUZ and the Green Bay area. We are glad to be back. Glad to be back. Thanks so much for having us back in. Time for us to go. Have a good one. Clip. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.